got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I've been getting out of work. Welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the freight sales show for closers in the freight world. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host today here with my co-host, Richie Jagel. The first time in the studio. You've been doing remotely. Yeah. How does it feel to be in the studio? It's different. It's it not, is different. I don't have the dogs barking. There's not, I mean, there might be construction outside, but I can't hear it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's nice. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. We haven't seen each other in person in, in quite a while, even though we both live here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I know. Is I'm talking to somebody that's not my wife at a close distance <laughs> without a mask. And uh, that's... That's a new thing now, right? Uh, it is. It's, it's going back to normal, getting back to normal. Definitely. We don't have stained glass windows behind you either. That's true. That's true. I These know. are a bit different. It, it is a little <laughs> bit different. Money running down. And uh, we, we have our gloves on. We do. Right? Yeah. So this is a golf glove right here. We had Hand Up Gloves, uh, the, the, the founder of Hand Up Gloves, on last week. We talked about entrepreneurship, about Starting a new brand, we're rolling some video right there of the golf clubs. Uh, there, the American flag. I have the Tennessee, the Tennessee golf club right here. I played 27 holes. 27 holes. 27 holes on Saturday using this glove is great. Got a lot of attention. It, it certainly does. And you have the mountain bike biking gloves on. I do. I do. And I, I rode 12 miles on Saturday and then did a, an additional 12 miles. Really? With, uh, with our, our one-year-old in the back little bike trailer on Sunday. So See, that's much more impressive than, than playing 27 holes of golf. It depends on the holes of golf, and it depends on the, the, the terrain of the miles. Uh, it I would, does, I would yes. say that. Yeah, it, it, it really does. I don't know where. It got a lot of use because I shoot a lot of shots. <laughs> Golfing for me is like an Easter egg hunt, so don't feel bad. Uh, exactly right. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Uh, Thanks to, to Cody for coming on the show. If yep. you didn't want, catch last week's episode, you can catch it on FreightWaves TV. That's tv.freightwaves.com, or you can download it on FreightCast or wherever you listen to your, your, your podcasts at. Uh, both put that copy down and are all-inclusive FreightCast here at FreightWaves. So yep. two ways to watch that. Uh, but it was, it was a great episode, really great video. We showed a little bit right there. Uh, but it was an hour long of, of just fun. And we're about to start embarking on an hour long of fun right here. Talking Absolutely. about sales, which we all love to talk about it. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship again uh, with Shay Dixon from Allegiant uh, Logistics, who will be on later. She uh, started her own freight brokerage about a year ago. And uh, we're going to talk about lessons learned about... Uh, the, the role of, of getting up off the ground and making those sales, because if you start your own business, if you don't make those sales, what happens? Yeah, you run out of fuel. You do. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to go somewhere if you don't have any gas in the tank. It really is. It really is. And it's a struggle. It's a lot of sleep. We talked a little bit about that with Cody, right? You know, the, all those sleepless nights, whenever you start your own thing, mm -hmm. uh, all that energy and excitement, not necessarily a bad thing to have those sleepless nights. It's yeah, kind of an adventure sometimes, but if you're running out of fuel, it's it's a lot of stress. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, the sleepless nights is part of it. And you know, if you don't have those downturns, you don't get the peaks either. So it, it's all part of the ride. It's all part of the journey. And hundred uh, percent, yeah, hundred percent. It's gonna be it's gonna be great to talk to her about 
just the, the whole process of starting something from scratch and, and building, building a business. I know. And you're starting from scratch right here in the studio. You're looking at the right camera, which is, which is fantastic because I can barely ever do that myself. We have three cameras here. It's, it's hard to, to, to keep track of sometimes. <laughs> so I know it's confusing. You did an excellent job right there, Richie. Hey. Uh, so let's talk, uh, let's talk about our sponsor for Put That Coffee Down, Surge Transportation. It's the fastest growing 3PL in the logistics space today. Based in Chicago and Jacksonville, they offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts, limitless territory, and chance to be a key player in a growing company. To find out more, email jobs at surgetransportation.com. Once again, that's jobs at surgetransportation.com. Omar over there is a great guy. He'll be joining us next week for our next Put That Coffee Down in our new time slot here on Freight Waves TV. It is right now, Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And we're also live on LinkedIn. And that reminds me, I need to refresh my screen here so I can join in on LinkedIn. But excellent show today. We're to, you know, certainly talking about sales. We're going to talk about customers and customer profitability. Wish if you're starting out with your own book of business and sales or your own company or any new endeavor, it's hard to, to really turn down unprofitable business. And you don't really know what's unprofitable business and what's profitable business for a while. Uh, but once you figure it out, uh, it becomes very clear that there are some, some customers you just don't want to work with. Right? And that's what we'll talk about a little bit here today before Shay comes in uh, for the interview. And let me find LinkedIn here. Uh, but the, the first thing is from Boston Consulting Group. It's, it's kind of one of the, the, the really easy ways to, to really frame profitable customers, profitable business lines, profitable products against the dogs as they say, in the Boston Consulting Group. If we can throw up that, that, that image right here of that really simple uh, graph that they have. Thank you, guys. The, the crew is always great. I love the crew. I, I never say enough good things about our crew here. Uh, and I always forget by the end of the show because I just forget. But anyway, here's, um, here's, here's the, this is a very famous a chart from Boston Consulting Group. Uh, I think it was back in the 70s when they did this. But it's it's a four-square box, right? So on the left, the, the axis is market growth rates. So that's how fast it's growing. And then the, the, the bottom axis is relative market share. So the faster you grow, the more share you're going to get. So whenever you're launching a new product, a new business, a new customer, you know, evaluating customers, this gives you a really awesome framework to, to kind of look at. So though those, those customers that are growing very rapidly, right, that are just starting out, they're question marks, right? You don't know how good that business is going to be, right, Richie? They have some sort of product, or at least the way I read it is they have some sort of product that's catching everybody's attention, uh, but the jury's still out on if it's gonna, if the proof is in the pudding, so to speak, right? Like we're still trying to figure out, uh, is it is it all that it's made up to be? And it's a question mark, right? It's really interesting, it's intriguing. I'm taking notice of it. Uh, I think about when the iPhone came out for the first time, it was like an iPod, that's a phone, that's a computer. Mm -hmm. This sounds really appealing potentially, but does it work? Does it live up to all of the expectations that they've set? I don't know. Let's let's wait. 
right? Some mm -hmm. people waited. Some people were like, I'm going to go buy 50 of them right now. <laughs> uh, so, it, you know, but it's a question mark, right? The jury's out. Uh, and that, that's what I read about when I see that. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right, you know? And then you have some people who are still using a flip phone or a burner phone, as they call them, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're the laggers that we talked about exactly. last week, right? They're, they're never going to, they, they might not even have a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, but everyone else has an iPhone, which is really good. And we'll stick with the iPhone analogy because it's, it's, it's something that everyone can really see. Uh, but on link, LinkedIn right, right now, we have Ray Roy. Uh, from Customs Compliance. Good afternoon from Toronto, Ontario. We have Shaquem Franklin, Atlanta, Georgia, Charles Lung from Taft, California. He's with Empire Logistics. We have my dad here giving me a weather report. Robert Hill here, 55 and raining in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Jamira Williams uh, waiting for Shay to come on. Alexis Peck here from Summit 11. Good morning all. Alex Christian, Nico Brown, Good to see you again, Nico from Virginia, and Charles Lung here. Diesel isn't moving that much. I, I guess they're talking about the Continental hack and, and, and things oh, like yeah. that. I, I was talking to Andrew Cox earlier today, and he said that he can't find regular gasoline. He went to like three stations this morning, couldn't find regular gasoline. It's all, uh, it's all premium right now. So we'll see how that plays out. Looks like I'm, um, it's a good thing I got these gloves. I may be taking the bike to the grocery store with the kit trailer to load the groceries in and just, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe going yeah, by you, bicycle you'll need that, Yeah, while. you'll need that mountain bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely will. Um, yeah, let's throw up the, the BCC, BCG chart uh, again, guys. And um, yeah, we can do that one. So what we have, so the iPhone, it was a question mark. It had a, a, Great growth rate, but it hadn't really captured the market share yet, mm -hmm. right? And then as it, as it keeps growing, it goes into stores, right? So the stores are the, the, the ones that you just know are going to make it, right? They're the rocket ships that are off the ground. Off the ground, <laughs> exit velocity. So they have that exit velocity. You know they're going to be great. You pour more money into those guys, right? Exactly. You pour more time, resources. If you're in sales, maybe not more money, but the time and resources, maybe the travel money to go see them, but you want to really nurture those stars, right? Because that's gonna take you where you need to go, which is higher commissions, right? Exactly, it's, it's a, an exciting time to be in sales when you're part of an, an organization that's transitioning from question mark to star, because that's when the mm -hmm. rocket ship's really getting off the ground, the momentum is picking up, the flywheel's picking up, it's the, you know, yeah, and a rocket ship is the, it just keeps coming back to mind, but that's right what's happening yeah. uh, in, in that question mark to star mm -hmm. area. And I think about that when going back to the iPhone, when I had friends that were like, check out what I can do. I'm going to order a pizza without making a phone yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. And then everybody's minds are just, this is incredible. I'm going to go buy 50 of them now that I see that what can be done. Yeah, you, you think you're cool, right? You think you're cool and you're, you're, you're showing your iPhone off to your buddies, right? And you're like, oh, I got the, I, I got the new iPhone, right? Um, and then at a certain point, everyone's got an iPhone. Everyone yep. has an iPhone. It has market dominance. The growth rate falls, right? And I'm not cool anymore because everybody's cool. got one. You're status quo, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? You're expected to have an iPhone or a smartphone right. or, or something like that. And that's when they become cash cows. Exactly. Cash cows, man. Just, just, you just, they just generate all the money so you can go out and 
buying your next superstar or rocket ship. Yeah, and think about what cash cows are doing, right? Like the the initial iPhone was, what was it, like 800 bucks or $1,000? Yeah. I don't remember yeah. the exact price, but now my iPhone bugs out on me and I got to go get a new one. They're like, oh yeah, here here's a payment plan and a second mortgage you can take out. And everyone's like, well, I got to do it because I need to have my <laughs> iPhone. So here, take everything in my arm and leg, right? So yeah. that's where the, it's becoming a cash cow where it's just, constantly producing revenue. It's like a class of doing business, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to have it, right? If you're a freight brokerage, you have to have a loader board, right? I mean, you just and you kind of have to have it, even if you don't use it, you just need it. And by that time on the business side, on the back end, you know, when you're growing from question mark to star, mm -hmm. you're figuring out and ironing out all kinds of kinks in your supply chain and in your uh, operations and so forth. And by the time you're a cash cow, you're a smooth sailing machine. So you're much more efficient, and so it's uh, a lot easier to just keep those margins steady. And mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's like being on cruise control. <laughs> it, it is. It, it is really like being on cruise control, and you you start having to to, to build up other income streams, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's new product, new customer, new business, whatever it is. Now those those question marks that don't make it to stores, they they don't get the exit velocity. They're not rocket ships. They become the dogs. Right to the dogs, and what, you know, you get rid of the dogs. Exactly. I you I know? think you about your losses. I think about TiVo. Uh huh. Right. TiVo was like this amazing thing, this incredible tech. Then and they they went out and they, I think they scared people with like, we're gonna monitor everything that you're doing and watching on your TV. Uh, yeah. And people are like, I don't know if I want anybody doing that, but. Uh, they they were that question mark. Here's this new technology that's breaking onto the scene, and then they fizzled. Like they they started to become a star, and then boom, dog. And yeah. who has TiVo these days? No one does, you know. And and all those those uh, worries about people monitoring everything you watch, all their competitors started doing it anyway, and <laughs> yeah. uh, they they have the, the the market share. So the DVRs and the other recorders that that they have out there, it, it definitely is. As a former freight broker, there's a lot of a lot of people who are dogs. A, a lot of a lot of customers out there who are dogs. Let, let's just people who send you loadlets, right? Are are looking for the cheapest freight out there. They don't really care about you or what you can do or any kind of value you can bring. You just have to get them a, a truck at the price they want, and then they'll they'll they'll, they'll go with you. But they're not going to respect you at all. Uh, if you can't do that, they're just going to ignore you. So, those you know, you want to stay away from those low, low margin, uh, you know, high stress opportunities. Those customers, because I've I've found, and not just in freight brokerage, but throughout any industry, that the people who uh, are the lowest margin customers who who want the cheapest price cost you the most time in servicing. I mean, it just, it's all the time. People who pay the premium, you don't even have to worry about them half mm -hmm. the time. Half the time, they don't hardly need anything. But maybe it's just all baked in the cake that that, that service is just there for them, right? Uh, they've already negotiated that with their their, their premium is, is excellent service. Yeah, 100%. And I go back to the fuel analogy where, you know, the miles per gallon. You know, think about some customers just require a tremendous amount of fuel, <laughs> you know, and you might be moving at, you know, five miles a gallon or, you know, you're just not getting, you're, you're dumping a whole lot of fuel and you're not making any progress. You're not moving the, the ball down the road. And 
at what point, what's the breaking point? You know, how, how do you make the, def the, the definition of at this amount of energy and effort and resources, I'll accept it. And at this amount, which may be just slightly different, you say no and, mm -hmm. and you draw the line. And that, that can be a very uh, important and then also a very difficult conversation to have internally to make that determination. It is. It's always difficult, but it's good to, to, to cut, cut cut the low profit customers out as, yeah. as quickly as you can. It's certainly uh, Tara here from Low Shop Operations. They're listening here on LinkedIn. Uh, Julie Mabel Mabel Toft, um, logistics and supply chains uh, professional from St. John, Indiana, and Rosa Longoria uh, in Houston at, at Fire Logistics says hi. So hello to, awesome. to everyone out there that are listening live or watching live on LinkedIn. It'll, so let, let's go to our next segment, which is, is kind of built upon the same. It's about loyalty programs. And I found uh, a nice article in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend uh, talking about, about how airlines, you know, their loyalty programs are worth more than the actual airlines themselves in a lot of cases, right? So uh, we have something, uh, we have a diagram here about loyalty programs and it kind of goes with kind of, uh, you know, customer loyalty, right? So we have a, a chart here. Let me pull it up on my screen here. So it, it's kind of the same P BCG model. It's just, it's based off of that. And it, it's, it, it's, it just puts a little bit more finesse into and details into uh, customer management. And this is for more of hotels right here. Uh, but it goes, it's something that you can apply to freight brokerage, freight mm -hmm. tech, any kind of sales that you do, right, Richie? Absolutely. And, and it's helping you with setting correct expectations, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going to treat somebody who's a bargain hunter. If I, if I have that awareness, then that helps me with how I can address that, that, that person or that individual. If I know someone's a frequent guest, then I know that I can be a bit more hands-off, but mm -hmm. I'm just going to check in on them every once in a while and make sure that they're getting what they need, yep. right? So it's it's the same sort of thing where, uh, you know, I think about cruise control versus revving an engine in first gear, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so um, you can kind of go through that whole transition as you look through these four boxes, but uh, having the right expectations and knowing where your client is in this in this chart mm -hmm. is super helpful in, in making sure that you're uh, giving them the service that they need. It is. It really is. And, you you know, your company might not have a loyalty program, but you can put this philosophy into uh, effect on this, right? You want your 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 superstars, right, your, your rocket ships on, on clients to, to be loyal guests, right? Mm -hmm. you, you want their loyalty and you want to design a program that encourages those customers keep coming back to you and being loyal, right? And make them to the point where they're frequent guests. So they really don't have any choice but to, to go through you. You want to di differentiate yourself, uh, position yourself with such differentiation and competitive advantages that it, it just doesn't make sense to go anywhere else for service. Yeah. You, and, you know, it just, there's no value in it. And when you see somebody that's a potentially loyal guest, that's, that's the, the key moment, right? 
uh, like in, in chess, they talk about there's the one move mm-hmm. that will, the whole entire game is going to hinge on this one move. And if you can identify that move in that moment, you put all your thought or as much thought as possible into that one move. Well, for potentially loyal guests, when you recognize that that is where a client is, they're still shopping, they're putting feelers mm-hmm. out, they may have some hesitations, they're bought in, but maybe not 100%. If you can recognize that moment, you can really put a lot of thought and, and consideration into that, that move, right? And yeah. how you make that, to see if we can transition them into a loyal guest. And you're a chess player, right? I'm, I'm, I, I dabble. Dabble. <laughs> I'm good enough to know I'm not good. <laughs> I, you know, I, I used to when I was young, but I, I would have to really relearn the game almost. And I just don't want to put the effort into to relearning. It's, it's, you know, I love it. it. It's always challenging to me. And, you know, I can see maybe five or six moves ahead and start thinking that way. But these players that are looking hundreds of moves ahead, oh, it's, yeah. it's just amazing what these people can do. It is. It is. And that's kind of, you know, it's like any skill, right? You just see ahead, you know, pitching, right? You see what the batter's looking for. You can just see it ahead, right? You can see your pitch sequence. You can envision that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and have that. It's the same thing with sales, right? You just have to get to the point where you can envision what they're going to say, what, what people are going to say, what people find value in more, more than anything else, you know, uh, objection handling, uh, and we'll do another show on objection handling, and the, there's a whole school of thought. But you know, just creating value to where it's hard for people to say no is the is the key. And if you can if you can envision that and, and do that, that'd be great. I, I think we have one more chart here. It goes back to what I was saying about uh, the airline stocks, right? Airline stocks, their loyalty programs are. Here we go. There we go. So their loyalty programs are worth more than the actual airline, the, the actual business itself, right? And this is, you know, and, and, and I think that in the article it said there's about a 5 or 6% premium uh, for tickets for people in the loyalty program. It, and that's just how they design it. So, like, like the, the core airline of American Airlines is worth almost negative $20 billion. But the rewards program is worth more than $30 billion. Crazy. It, it really is crazy, isn't it? It's it, it is. It is. It's all about customer service. Then that's what it tells you. You know, you can have all these assets, all these capital intensive tools to actually carry out the business. But the real value is in that customer loyalty. If you don't have that customer loyalty, then those are a very expensive depreciation, depreciating <laughs> assets uh, that, that are, are going to be like a, an anchor tied around your neck. Right. And you saw this really you know, bear out through the pandemic when people weren't flying for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, airlines are completely dependent on their customer base. And uh, you yes. rip that out from them and it's it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, Delta, Delta, they have a positive on on their core assets, but it's, it's a fraction and it's the second line there. It's a fraction of their loyalty program. Southwest does the best, right? Uh, of the, the balance between having your core assets and your, your business or your loyalty program. So it's very interesting. I, I, I found it, I read that on Saturday and just found it uh, fascinating. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I'd love to dive deeper into that and, and start uncovering, peeling back the layers of the onion to figure out what Southwest is doing uh, that, that makes them kind of jump off the chart here. 
I know. I, I think it's the operational focus. I know. I, I could talk about that for the next 10 minutes, but let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I see Shay is ready to, to come and join us right now. So let's bring Shay on the show and talk logistics. How are you doing, Shay? I am doing so well. Thank you for asking. Great. Perfect. Well, uh, Shay, can you um, introduce yourself to our audience and give us a little bit of background about Allegiant Logistics? Sure. So my name is Shaylin Dixon. I am the president at Allegiant Logistics. We are a third-party logistics provider here in South Metro Atlanta, where all the freight moves. I could be biased. Um, <laughs> our specialty is in high cargo, high high value cargo, um, specializing in the aerospace and uh, manufacturing sectors. So we're doing a lot here in Georgia. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, always excited to talk to people in Atlanta, having grown up in Atlanta. So uh, yeah, yeah, welcome. Uh, That's so awesome. how did you end up in logistics? What, what led you down the path of deciding, I want to move stuff around or help other people move stuff around and make a business out of this? Yes. Everyone always asked me that. And it was just like most people accidentally. So I worked right out of college uh, in a manufacturing company and I, it was like back in the day, right? Uh, so over 20 years, well, 15 years ago, and it was antiquated, right? Handwriting BOLs. Um, we didn't even use computers back then. We were just writing stuff down. So um, I, that's when I really first had my first little touch at it. Um, I went into finance, did a few other things, and I started working for a brokerage a few years ago. And I was just, I was in love. I was in love with the problem solving, with the negotiation, uh, all of it. And I really found that I was pretty good at it. So you tend to stick to things that you're that you're great at. Um, and once I honed the skill set, I found that uh, this could work for me long term. So here I am. Moving freight, feeling great. Moving freight and feeling great. I, I like the, the, the buzzword right there. We have a saying around here, you know, and it, it's true for Richie as well. You know, you don't choose transportation. Transportation chooses you and it will never let Certainly. you go. Mm -hmm. It will yes. never let you go. I always, right? And I always said, I'm like, I'll never go back into transportation. I'm going to try something <laughs> new. I went into banking. And I was like, whew, this is not for me. I, I need to go back into transportation. It's just something about the the hustle and bustle that keeps keeps you going. So I'm enjoying it. I, I was the same way. I, I, I left transportation and was a financial analyst for a year. And I realized very quickly that I was going to be a horrible, horrible financial analyst, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I used to get phone calls constantly, you know, on a freight broker's floor, you know, it's, it's crazy. I had my own office yeah. and some days I wouldn't talk to anybody. And it was the most boring thing uh, on earth. But, but that, was, that was just for me. Hard so you, yeah. you, you started, when did we first talk? It was like last fall, I think. And uh, you yes. just started Allegiant Logistics. And I, want, I would just like to know what really inspired you to take the leap to, to start your own freight brokerage. Yeah. So uh, my business partners and myself, uh, they already had an established business for about five years, a transportation company. Um, but they were transporting people, uh, essential people like airport shuttles, students for the school district, things of those natures. And when COVID happened, everything stopped. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't run any shuttles. And we really had to pivot. We had the opportunity to... Um, 
for about five months, do a lot of research. And because I had the knowledge, I really wanted to step out, right? I saw the opportunity here in Atlanta with so much freight being moved. Um, and I also noticed that a lot of people uh, didn't know what they were doing, right? So there's a lot of freight being moved in the wrong ways. And I, I saw the opportunity to be a liaison between the shippers and the carriers. And we just kind of ran with it. It was nerve wracking, but we did it and we did it afraid. And it was the best decision we made. That's awesome. And it sounds like uh, you're getting things off the ground. You're moving in a good direction. You're growing. Uh, what has that growth process been like? Have there been some challenges? Have there been some sleepless nights? Have, uh, you know, have there been some surprises that you didn't see coming down the line that were kind of shocking in a good way or a bad way? Um, just curious to hear how that process has been from, from the beginning all the way up to present. Yeah. So COVID has changed the way that the transportation industry operates. You know, um, when I was a broker agent, it was so easy to move freight. I could do it in my sleep. And when we started the business, we realized that there was going to be some major challenges that we had to overcome right in the beginning. So when we first started, we went into the industry with the mindset of sustainability, long-term sustainability, and scaling appropriately. So we didn't come out the gate, you know, pitching uh, Walmart and all of these like target, you know, companies that I can't handle their freight. We started small. Um, we started with larger companies, but smaller portions or sectors of their business just to get our foot in the door um, around the 5 million to the 10 million mark. Um, and once we were able to kind of get our foot in the door with with those customers, it kind of spread from there. Word of mouth, um, you know, as our carrier network grew, we were able to handle more capacity. So we were very strategic in the beginning with building our business out, starting with one customer and then adding two and then adding three and knowing how to say no, right? I think a lot of people, when they first get started, they're like, give me everything. And <laughs> I just, I I was like, hey, we don't, I don't do port work. I do port work now. But back then I was like, hey, I don't do anything intermodal. You know, I, I those are not my core competencies. I can refer you to someone who does. You know, we have other people that we you can use, but that's not us. So we really honed in on the equipment type in the lanes. So for us, we just start off strictly with flatbeds in the Southeast. So Florida, um, Georgia, and Alabama. That was our core we got our first customer two days after our grand opening and I, that's okay. we stuck in that area. And that really helped us scale. Um, we did have sleepless nights. I, I won't say we won't, we didn't. Um, we definitely did. And it's only because when you're starting a new business, you are pivotal in advocating for the carrier, but also mitigating any risk for the shipper. So we spent a lot of time uh, figuring out how to do that without um, hurting our bottom line, right? And taking us out of business. So it, 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 it takes a lot of discipline, right? I mean, it really does. It takes a lot of discipline, especially in a new business to turn away business to say, no, I, I really can't do that. Because oftentimes you want to say, well, I, I can I, I can go do that. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't turn down business, but, but that can get you into a lot of trouble. You can turn down business and it's better to turn down business than it is to accept business and not be able to service the customer effectively. You don't get a second shot. So if you're talking about, you know, moving a lane, you know, we got offers to do bulk hauls. I'm like, I 
I know how to do both. I come from a coaching background, you know? Um, so I stuck to my guns. Um, you know, the team really, really, we all made sure that we were very clear on what we were doing, how we were doing it. So even when we added someone on the business development side, um, we focused on this is our ideal client. This is what our ideal client moves, the type of um, commodity that they move. And this is the type of equipment that we're going to focus on. Now that we're going into uh, preparing for year two, we are opening up and kind of serving customers in a different way. But I, anybody that's listening, I it's so scary turning down opportunities because you don't know when your next opportunity is going to come. Um, however, by turning down those opportunities, you become an expert in what you are doing. So I made sure that I know everything flatbed, um, well, a lot, as much as I can. Um, and you'll learn that as you continue to operate in the space, you really don't know as much as you think you do. Like the more you learn, the more you uh, handle your clients, the more you realize, wow, there's a lot I have left to learn. That always is. One of the, the, the great parts about opening your own business is getting your first office, right? Getting your first office. Yes. Even, even how humble it is. You know, when I first opened my office, I, I, I'd go down to Sam's and buy those, uh, the, those plastic folding tables, right? Or those white <laughs> yeah. ones, right? And yes. I, I probably had a dozen of them at, at a certain point. And I, I still love those desks for, for whatever <laughs> reason. They're, they're, just, they're just great to me. But we, you sent us a video of a tour of your office. So we're going to play yeah. that right now. And if you can just describe what we're looking at, that'd be great. Yeah, no problem. So this is the front entry into our office. So it was huge when we first started um, and we first got this office because we were working in the basement of my business partner's house. Um, all of us, you know, we would have the kids during the summer. So um, this is our executive leadership office. So the four of us share the office together. All of our dispatchers, uh, sales team, all the rest of our employees work from home, uh, which they love. We do meetups um, periodically here in McDonough because some of our employees are outside of the state of Georgia. Um, and we often meet in the conference room, which is like our hub. I, If you follow me on Instagram or any social media site, I record most of my content in that conference room. So um, we have sitting areas. So that's really nice when I have customers come to our office. That was huge for me. You know, we went from working at our house to having an actual space where we could host our, our guests and clients, and then also being able to uh, host training for our staff. So this is our training room that we really use a lot to keep our staff up to date on what's going on in the industry, changes with our clients, and um, it, it you know it facilitates most of our training that uh, our customers and clients experience uh, with our staff. Fantastic. So that's our place. <laughs> The awesome office looks great. Yeah, thank fantastic you. Office. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was our first one, so it means so much. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> that first one. I'm sure we'll have to expand because we're adding more people now, and as we add more assets, we have more drivers coming in, and we need more space to park trucks, and you know how that goes. But mm -hmm. right now, this works for us. It'll always have a special place. It, 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 you remember the old days, during about five or six years. You remember the old days in the original office. It's almost like buying your first house. It you is. Like it I, really I'll is. always remember my first house, and uh, I, I would imagine the first office is similar. So, it is. Um, yeah, you know, it, it sounds like you've done a, a fantastic job of, of knowing who you are, having a, a good sense of your identity as a brand and a company, knowing who your audience is, 
you know, staying in that niche of flatbed and then slowly growing from there. What have you done from the marketing standpoint of reaching more people that, that fall into that target audience or fall into that target group that you're, uh, that you're aiming for? Like, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on marketing and what you've learned so far. Yeah. So our CFO is very fiscally responsible. So we have about $150 a month for marketing. That's my budget, right? And so I've been able to market our business on a very small budget by utilizing everything that's free, right? Uh, Showing up on LinkedIn, Instagram, in the Facebook groups, and then going from there, we go to every event locally. So when our local chambers has grand openings for other companies, we're there. We're networking. I am using LinkedIn as if I am on LinkedIn more than anything because my customers are on LinkedIn. And I've found that if you take your time, you don't rush it. If you take your time and court your customer, that you will land that customer. Uh, So for me, on average, I'm about five connections or five touches on LinkedIn. I'm able to close a customer. So that's what I've seen for in terms of marketing for us. We come from a standpoint of Hey, we are the walking billboard, right? Let's use our mouths, our sphere of influence, the people that we know. We've done a lot in our communities over the last couple of years. So we've leveraged those relationships to have other people spread the word about our our business and then opportunities like this. So, um, you know, it, it helps grow our business. And the reason I know is because every time I get off of a show, I was on uh, Cyberly with Blythe. Mm-hmm. After I do a show, I see my Google Analytics. I see my name. People are searching my name, searching the business name. And I get you know, um, hits on my link tree on my website. So I, I see uh, the uh, ROI on showing up on social media. And that's been our marketing plan. Now, we are a little bit different when it comes to marketing to our carriers. I am very advantageous when it comes to finding carriers, searching for them, and we use Instagram to source 90% of our carriers. Well, let me not say that. 50% now because we do have carrier lists. So we use carrier lists a lot. (laughs) We use carrier lists a lot, especially when we have heavy haul loads that we get um, occasionally. And we have to use carriers that just know what they're doing and that are vetted. And so that has added into our, you know, our twist, but Instagram, drivers are on Instagram and TikTok. So I'm inboxing them like, Hey, sending them a video. I'm Shaylin. I have a brokerage. I'm awesome. I'm going to be full of integrity. I'm not going to lie to you. Do you want to haul for me? And they'll be like, sure. And that's been our approach and it's really worked. Um, and honestly, it requires all hands on deck. So people are all like, why are you marketing and you're the CEO? And I'm like, I'm the best person that can communicate our vision. And people buy into that. So that's what's worked for us. The, the least expensive marketing, right? We spend our money on other things like technology and software uh, instead of marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, That's fantastic. Thanks for the plug too. It's always appreciated. Certainly. Um, yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you're using video a lot. And, and that, that's great because it does work. And I see it from my prospecting, whether I'm getting speakers for some of our events or shows 
or uh, through other business means is it, it just works. Uh, are, are you sending out when you talk about your five touches? Is that really video heavy, and are you using some kind of apps that uh, you're able to send video messages out through LinkedIn? Right. So I've three things. I the shorter the better. So every video I send clip is under 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. I make it quick. People don't want to watch uh, long videos unless you're really entertaining. And sometimes I'm just you know not that funny. So I stick to what I know. I just go straight in. Hey, I'm Shay. This is what I do. Love to connect with you. So I um, share a lot of content that will be relevant for my prospective client. Um, I also share content with them. So I have a specific company right now that I'm pitching. And so every time they come up in an, every time I get a Google analytics or um, Google word search, something that their business has uh, been featured, you know, anywhere in the news, or there's an article I share it with them. And I'm like, Hey, I saw your company, you know, here. And that's normally my first start. Um, just sharing something with them that's useful that they can reshare, right? Because no one likes to find articles and it saves them time. So now I'm helping them. Um, I normally do that about twice. And then I'm starting to send video content about who I am, what I do. Um, you know, that's a hit or miss. Um, but I close the deal with a video picture of me. It has to be some type of video clip, um, just words that gets muddled in with everyone else who's sending them uh, messages, you know, prospecting. So the video clips under 15 seconds tend to work amazing. So, so on yeah. the, the, the video, um, so, so a quick video clip, I, I agree, you know, 10, 15, 20 yeah. seconds, 30 seconds, probably would be the max uh, of that. And I, I think it's just, it's just, just, just so much more personal, right? Yes. Voice message too works really well. So what it is, is that people just don't have time to read all the time, right? Or they don't want to, right? I know mm -hmm. I get like, paragraphs. People message me paragraphs and I'm like, do you expect me to read this? So sometimes I'll send a quick voicemail. Hey, this is Shay, you know, and then they hear my voice. Then they start to put a person with it. So then when I call them in the office, right, then they're like, they, they feel like they know me already. They've heard my voice already. They've seen me several different times. They realize at this point that I'm relentless. And so they need to have some type of conversation with me at this point. Either it's going to be saying they don't need my services, they might need it later, but I'm able to at least get the conversation. If I can at least get someone to give me a moment of their time for the conversation, I can close. So, and video does that video and audio messages. Yeah, In terms of apps, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, asked apps, about apps. Yes. Yes. So I use Canva a lot, like anyone else, but I noticed um, that I'm able to edit photos and transmit them with like my extra, my website and all of that information using Mojo app. So I use the Mojo okay. app. It's about $8 a month and you can change the formatting to make it format uh, content for LinkedIn. Um, and you can also add any other content. So sometimes I'll put some pictures of loads we've moved before at the end of my video. And so after I talk, it'll just pop up and they don't have to click on anything else or download anything. Richie, it's all about being persistent, but not crossing the line into importunate. That's right. Or importunate. That's right. I, I forget how you pronounce it, but it's the word of the day. I got it in. You did. You did. You, you win the prize. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that, that's awesome. What 
Shay, what's been your favorite part of running the business so far? And what's been the most challenging part of running the business so far? I guess it's a two-part question. It is. So the most rewarding part so far is actually solving problems. Um, so saying that I can solve a problem, but then actually solving the problem for the customer and their gratitude, it's something that's uh, pretty profound uh, from a business standpoint. You're like, I did this. I said I could do it. I actually did it. And here we are. And, you know, so um, that part is so rewarding. I think uh, the most challenging part is, like you said before, uh, in real estate, when you're representing both clients, so you're representing, if, if someone is selling their home and you're representing the person who's buying and the seller, right? That's what I feel like on a daily basis, that I am towing a line of being fair and equitable to the carrier, but also mitigating risk for the shipper and making sure that they can still be profitable while still making sure that the, the brokerage, uh, you know, is creating revenue. I, I find that very challenging sometimes because I feel for the carriers. I come from a carrier uh, background and I, I feel for them, especially in this industry. However, right now the carriers are, you know, they're trying to get every dollar they can. So I also am trying to protect the customer. So I think it's a thin line sometimes. And sometimes it gets frustrating uh, advocating for both and, and doing it in an effective way where no one's taking a loss. It is this challenge of being a, a, a the, the middle man, right, or the middle woman, right? It is yeah. is how to balance all of that and and you know make a living at the same time or make it a little bit better than a living, uh, oftentimes, right? You, you just try <laughs> just to just, just a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. a little taste, yeah. just, just a little yeah. taste. Is is part of the the, the the good challenges of running a business? And you mentioned it uh, there earlier in your answer is just the challenge of going out and just seeing if you can do it, seeing if you can succeed, just rolling the right. dice in a lot of ways. And a lot of times you don't fully understand what a, a shipper or a customer, what their actual problem is until you're in the midst, right? Mm -hmm. you, it's long past your bidding. You're actually running the lane and you're like, whoa, they did not communicate <laughs> these issues in the beginning. Okay. So this is where we are. And it's, I have to make the decision because most of our um, accounts, I manage them and I do it from the beginning to the end. I handle every part. I will allow some of our dispatchers to handle some things in between there, but I want to make sure things, I keep my hand on it because I want it to run until we're a little bit further in. I want to make yeah. sure that things run effectively. Um, so there, there becomes a challenge when you realize that the problems are a lot more than uh, were communicated, right? You can start reading between the lines and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, so this is an internal issue. This, is, this has nothing to do with the actual freight. This is an internal issue. And then being very diplomatic in the way that you um, bring solutions to a uh, potentially broken system or customer with internal issues. So uh, it's very challenging. Um, and I don't think we talk about that enough when people get into the industry. They just think, hey, I'm going to move freight. I'm going to get this contract. I'm going to get a spot lane, get a carrier, move it. We're good. <laughs> I'm like, hey, there's some other things that you haven't thought about in that process. And um, so we've we've bid on some lanes that were amazing. And we we started moving them. And they're like, we're like, okay. So we have to go back to the table and have some difficult conversations. And we do it and we do it with grace. And it always works out in the end. It just might mean um, we're not moving their freight anymore. So, <laughs> yes. So I love the way that you think about, um, 
you know, freight not being a zero-sum game, like trying to think through the problem, the, the problem-solving of creating solutions that work and are beneficial uh, for both sides, both the carrier and the shipper, um, and not, and not, you know, and even yourself, right? Like you're not l- looking at yourself as the hero. Uh, you're actually looking at both of these sides that you're helping simultaneously as a hero. It seems, at least I feel that way uh, listening to you talk, and I think that that's incredibly um, great to hear. <laughs> it's, I guess, the, the best way to put it. But um, as you move forward and you, you keep going uh, through the growth and the trajectory of Allegiant, what does the future hold? What Are you looking to branch out into new avenues or new niche markets? Are you looking to stay where you're at uh, within this flatbed niche and grow that? Um, Curious to hear your thoughts on the future. Yes. So I had a supervisor when I worked in cold chain and he would tell me all the time, you're only as good as your last load. And that stuck with me. And so for our future, we are trying to maintain our level of service. We've built our business on just providing excellent service. And so we are just focusing on scaling and getting into new markets. We've been really focusing on a lot of power only. Um, and as we get into these new markets, we're focusing on just maintaining that level of service um, and also maintaining our rates for our carriers because we work with carriers that are compliant, that don't sit out during DOT week, you know, and and so that comes along with a little bit more responsibility on our end, a little bit more transparency and communication. Um, So we're focusing on continuing to build that network. And we've added some more assets. So we are trying to help underserved communities um, and people who are unemployed or underemployed get into some of these state-funded programs that are free to get their CDL license and to get them into the truck, get them an opportunity to get in the truck. There's a shortage right now. And so we see an opportunity to fill that shortage with people who might not necessarily have been exposed to the trucking industry um, and they might be able to have a new career path. So that's the future of Allegiant. That's fantastic. That's a great story here. Yeah. And you you officially started Allegiant about a year ago, right? Last May, is that? Yeah. So we actually filed the business June 5th. Our grand opening okay. was October 2nd. So, nice. and we got our first customer on the 4th. So it was pretty quick how it started. And we've scaled ever since then. We got our first tier one global uh, company and it's been amazing since then. So I'm really grateful. It's fantastic. It's great hearing about your journey as always. And, you know, we'll have you on again soon to, to see how the, the journey goes, how the scaling up goes, because that's always an adventure in in of itself. Uh, but but right now, uh, you, can you let everyone know, our audience know, where to, to reach out and, and, and find you? You don't have to go far on sure. LinkedIn to find you. So that, that's, a, <laughs> right. that's an easy one. And uh, just your details and how to uh, how to contact you directly. Yes. So if you would love to connect with us or become a carrier partner, you can visit our website, AllegiantGA.com. You also can visit us on all social media platforms, Allegiant Logistics. Thank you very much for your time today. Awesome. Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Always talking. She has great energy. She she really does. Yeah. You know, the thing that comes to mind, uh, it's not what you do or, 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 or becoming successful all the time, but it's how you do it mm-hmm. and the importance of how you go about whatever it is that you're doing. 
It is, and, and Nico Brown here uh, from Skybits uh, says Shay Dixon isn't building a company, she's building a community, right? Which is basically what you just said. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and, and there's, I mean, she's using the tools that are at her disposal to just broadcast who she is. Mm -hmm. and, and she said it, integrity, right? Like she's bringing integrity and she's looking to be equitable. Um, and that comes through. And, and I think that she's, that the how she is building a company is, is important. And I think it's transparent and uh, it's picking up momentum. Yep. It's, it's the right way to do it. It's the, the, the long-term way, and, and Nico is, is saying it right here on, on the LinkedIn message board right now. Demetrius Dixon, Director of Operations. Uh, great job, Shay. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Tease is in here. That's uh, one of one of Shay's business partners uh, is talking. Nico and Randy Freeman, who works at Allegiant, and uh, Donald Frey, uh, truck driver at Pro Drivers. Uh, is in here. Everyone's commenting. Uh, really good action on LinkedIn today, which is which is fantastic. Richie, let's talk about Sonar. Let's talk about imports. Yeah, you know, and one thing that came up with, I was thinking about Sonar at the same time that Shay was talking about the importance of saying no. And mm -hmm. the reason for that is, you know, when we're looking at uh, our inbound TEU ticker, you know, when we're looking at TEUs that are being booked to come into the U.S., and we're seeing that go up at a considerable rate. Yes. And that's giving us visibility and a sign. It's kind of setting off warnings uh, that imports over the next three to five, six weeks or so are going to be quite elevated. And, and that trend could even continue mm -hmm. further as we're seeing more and more empty containers, flood ports, and, and so forth as well. So um, all that saying, with all of this freight coming in, there's likely going to be even more pressure put on capacity. There's going to be even more volumes are going to be uh, you know, going up and so forth. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be more of those desperation calls. Can you take this? I got to have this. I, you know, this bulk container or whatever it may be. I need mm -hmm. it moved yesterday. Like, can you help me, please? And the importance of making sure that you, you stay within your competencies to a certain extent so that if you get in over your head on something, mm -hmm. you could just be causing a big snafu, you know, or, or you know, yeah, just yeah. like it's creating, making, trying to help, but end up creating a bigger problem. Um, so yeah, it's 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 important, you know, to know who you are and what you can do and help out in the way that you can, mm -hmm. uh, and having visibility, you know, through sonar to see and monitor all of these things coming in can certainly help you get out ahead of those trends and make sure that you're. Uh, being proactive in your decision making. It, it can because in, in Sonar you can see those import numbers and you can see those bleed out into the domestic market from, uh, you know, you're talking about the West Coast, you can see the, the activity in the West Coast and then you can just see it as the weeks go by. Everything is it's like a chain reaction. And, um, and, and Zach Strickland here has, has pointed out many times uh, through, we're doing freight waves now every, every morning now and he's doing a carrier update we're doing shipper updates too. So over the weeks, you, you you will be able to see if you just watch Zach, you can see kind of how that that purchase, you know, heading toward, you know. Um, but if you have sonar itself, I mean, then you have the real time information that is is based on the freight markets that that you are working that day, tomorrow, the next day, to uh, to, to be able to act and and really have actionable information. You know, the pandemic has taken the snow globe that is the freight industry 
and shook it like it's never been <laughs> shook before. And everybody's historicals and everybody's, you know, this is how this lane has always been or how this market's oh, always yeah, been. No, right. It's all out the window, right? I mean, everything is still settling. And so there's a lot of uncertainty. Nobody really knows for sure what these elevated import volumes are going to do. We have a good idea based on what we know yeah. about the industry, but how it actually plays out, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Having visibility, real-time visibility, true real-time visibility that stretches across multiple modes, whether it's imports or intermodal or truckload, mm -hmm. allows you to visualize and see things play out in real time. Yes. And... Uh, I think there's a lot of power there, and it's, it's exciting to be part of the team that's that's getting that information into as many hands as possible, so that people can be as best prepared. Yeah, they, they really can. It's, it's, it's really important. So next week we have a busy week. Next week we have a really busy week. Yeah. We have our show here at our new time, Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We have Omar from Surge Transportation coming in. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the spot market and and freight brokerage as well. And then Wednesday, we have starting Freight Waves Live at Home. It's our two-day event, our spring mega event. We have uh, some phenomenal guests coming in for those two days, uh, all virtual, of course. You can go to live.freightwaves.com and register for free uh, right now for that. We have some great giveaways too, so go register, enter to end those, those giveaways. We have Shelly Simpson from JB Hot. Uh, keynote speaking on May 19th, and uh, we have Derek Leathers from Warner. We have uh, we have the, the president of Smith uh, Swift Transportation. We have digital freight brokers. We have autonomous vehicle uh, companies coming in. We're going to talk all about freight and logistics. We have two put that coffees downs on put that coffee down on Tuesday. Wait, no, we have our regular show on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, Thursday. We have two episodes, uh, one each day. We have two guests booked for each of those days. So there's a lot of put that coffee down. There's a lot of what the truck. It'll be on each day as well. So uh, it's, it's going to be wall to wall, 9 o'clock to, to 5.30-ish each day, all freight and logistics. So uh, if you haven't rushed for that yet, go to live.freightwaves.com and do that now. Of course, everything's going to be on demand at live.freightwaves.com and tv.freightwaves.com going into the future, uh, perpetually, infinitely into the future. So you can always catch those uh, that, that you missed on that. Um, put that coffee down, though. You can find that again on tv.freightwaves.com, uh, in the, the Vimeo app, and wherever you download pod podcasts, either the Put That Coffee Down channel or, of course, Freightcast, which has all of our phenomenal podcasts here, like Great Quarter Guys, which is coming up at 3 p.m. So here in a couple of hours, Andrew Cox and 2 p.m. I'm sorry, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Andrew Cox and J.P. Hampstead will be talking about finance and freight. There's a lot to talk about on that end because it is earnings season. So, And then we also have Freight Waves Now, which is starting uh, started yesterday, 9 a.m. every morning Eastern Time, hour of news and sonar information to gear you up for those hard days of moving freight. Right, Richie? It's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse of the market. It, it definitely is. So uh, with that, I'd like to thank the crew again because I always forget to, to thank the crew, especially Aaron here taking pictures of us right now as we close out another awesome episode of Put That Coffee Down. Thanks, Shay Dixon, once more for coming on today.
got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I got expensive, cause winning's expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting down the stars.